This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome into In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7. On your FM dial as well. We've got a loaded show for you today. And of course, we will be talking tons of football. High school gets kicked off tonight, as do the Kansas Jayhawks. K-State tomorrow and a plethora of other college games throughout the day on Saturday. But obviously, with it being high school football Friday, that's where we're going to focus the majority of our attention to start the show today and just kind of highlight some of the really big games and storylines to follow as we uh, kick off the 2022 season. And I would be remiss if I did not mention this game to start. Salina South, Salina Central, the Mayor's Cup, Week 1, Game one, I believe this is the 30, no, excuse me, the 59th, I should say, the 59th meeting between South and Central in their history. One of the most historic, one of the most prestigious rivalries across the entire state of Kansas as it relates to to high school football. And we get it for week one. That game will air with me on the broadcast along with Dan Fleming, Nick Talbot, and a host of other helpers. For the Mayor's Cup, that'll be on 1150 KSAL. So right here with our pregame show starting at 645, kickoff at 7. And uh, you can catch that on KSAL.com as well. There will also be an NFHS broadcast with our play-by-play on it as well. So we got you covered in that one. And it is a big one. It's a really big one because there's two different big stories for each of those teams. So so the first thing, we'll start with South because last year the Cougars struggled and there's no there's no dodging that. They won just one game uh, and they dealt with a lot of injuries and they played a lot of young guys. Well, this year some of those young guys are still a little bit young, but they're young with more experience. They're young but stronger. They're young but they have the opportunity to take a step in the right direction for this South program. And they have the opportunity to do it in week one against their arch rival, the crosstown rival. It doesn't get any better than that in terms of opportunity for Salina South. If they can come out, they're healthy, they execute, they take care of the football, which was a big problem for them last year. They turned it over nearly three times per game. If they can hang on to the football, run the ball the way they want to run the football, kind of control the clock and the tempo, they could shock a good chunk of the world in terms of, of pulling off the, the proverbial upset here tonight against Salina Central. But it's going to come down to, like I said, controlling the clock and the tempo and taking care of the football for them. Now the second storyline, we'll flip over to, to Salina Central. They won seven games a season ago. They were 7-3, and three, got knocked out in the second round of the playoffs, but it was one of the best seasons for for Central in a couple of a couple of years, but they lose a ton of production. They lose Micah Moore at tailback, they lose Parker Cavanaugh at quarterback, they lose Logan Losey, Hayden Vidrickson in the receiving core. They lose a good chunk of really talented defenders on defense, highlighted by Jackson Colzo at safety. How do they fill all of those voids? We know they've got dudes 
But how do those guys, those young guys, who are now thrust into the varsity starting roles, maybe as juniors or as, as seniors in some cases, how do they respond to being put into, into varsity roles and in, in a big stage, on a big game, in the very first game? I mean, there's enough nerves when you step into those roles for the first time in game one, but you add the, the layer of this being the Mayor's Cup. How do those guys handle that pressure and, and are they able to to perform and execute? Because I don't think there's many people that would tell you that that uh, Central is the underdog here because that's just not the case. But with it being week one, we really don't know what to expect in that regard. So really interesting storylines as we uh, focus on uh, as we focus on high school football and especially the Mayor's Cup for the first game of the season. Again, that will air on 1150 KSAL, so right here on your radio dial, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock for kickoff. On our sister station, FM 104.9 this week, we've got the inaugural Meridian Media Game of the Week. That's going to feature the Minneapolis Lions and their guest, the Republic County Buffaloes. Republic County uh, is is an interesting story here because last season, Coach Jesse Hodgson and the and the Buffaloes went just three and five, but it was actually one of the better teams they've had in quite some time. They had a close loss to Atchison County, a uh, close loss to this very same Minneapolis team a season ago, and they had a game canceled in Week One at Beloit as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the direction that they jump into uh, for Republic County and for Minneapolis. Uh, and Coach Tom Flax, this is another team that was right on the cusp of some good stuff last season. Uh, they went 4-5 and five overall. But I, I think that you're going to be interested to see the direction that these Lions head in. They do lose a, a good chunk of production, but they have an opportunity to continue their growth under Coach Flax and try and grab a, a winning season. The The Lions haven't had a, a winning season since all the way back in, as I'm, I'm looking through my, my notes here, it's been a long, long time. Um, they've won four games each of the last several years, but I'm having all the way, scroll all the way back to 2014, the last time the Minneapolis Lions had a winning season. And they have an opportunity to do that this season. And they've got two winnable ball games to start the season. If they can get a win against Republic County at home, they go to Sacred Heart next week, and that's certainly a game that they could win because last season they had no trouble with, uh, or excuse me, last season Sacred Heart uh, didn't win a game. So you'd think that the the upper hand would go to Minneapolis there. But again, I mean, it's week one. You really don't know what to expect there. Um, Another game on our sister station, well, I guess to a degree our sister station, but the El Celine Cardinals will open their season, their inaugural season uh, being back in eight-man football. Uh, they'll be at Mound Ridge tonight, uh, and they will be on KSAL.com on our audio stream. But the Cardinals last season in 1A, 4-6, and 3-3 six, three and three in district, but they played one of the toughest schedules I think you would see all around. Let me just read you this stretch. Starting on September 24th, they lost to Plainville, who was a top-five team in 1A. Then the next week, they lost at Sedgwick, a top-five team in 1A. And they lost at Inman, a top 
five team in 1A. And then they played Smith Center and lost. Another top five team in 1A. They played four of the top five teams in 1A football in four consecutive weeks. And they shrugged that off to win 43-7 at Ellenwood and 48 to nothing at Stan- against Stanton County in the playoffs before they finally played Sedgwick again. And the first time they played Sedgwick... They lost 55-12. to The second time, 33-6. to And that's two losses, but they clearly closed that gap. And they were playing some really, really good football at the end of last season. Now they jump down a division, and they have a really favorable schedule. There's some challenges on there, don't get me wrong. But this first test for them in eight-man is going to tell us a lot about what we can expect out of the El Saline Cardinals and Coach Joe Roach. Because they should be the more talented team. They've got speed. They've got some size. But how do they handle the the minute changes from 11-man to 8-man football? That's certainly going to be worth monitoring. Uh, But I I think El Saline might be able to get it done. And if they do, hey, could be a really, really good year to be an El Saline Cardinal fan. Other games in our area to keep an eye on. Probably the biggest game, I would say, outside of that in our area is going to be Rock Creek at southeast of Saline. Rock Creek uh, according to K-Preps, is the number three team in 3A. Southeast of Saline enters the season as one of the top teams in 2A. They're actually, by K-Preps, ranked as number one in 2A. They were the consensus best team, second best team in, two, in 3A Excuse me, last season. They lost, El, uh, Southeast of Saline did, in the sub-state semifinals to eventual state champion Andale, who was undefeated. But El Saline last year... They only gave up, let's see, 6, 12, 19, 25 points in their first 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games. Their first 10 games, they gave up 25 points. And then they gave up 28 to Cheney in a win to get to Substate, and they lost 37-16 to against Andale uh, when they just kind of ran out of gas against that buzzsaw of a state champion in Andale. But... High expectations for Southeast of Saline this year. High expectations for Rock Creek as well. Rock Creek, a team last year under coach Shane Sieben that went 7-4 and four and made a bit of a run in the playoffs before running into Frontenac. Uh, and uh, so they'll be looking to take a step forward as well. This is a big-time game for both these teams, Southeast of Saline and Rock Creek, to start out their season. And I'm going to tell you what, you got to keep an eye on this one. Another area game for us to take a look at is going to be Beloit at Ellsworth tonight. Uh, Ellsworth has some talent last season, maybe not what they were hoping for. We got to visit with Coach Josh Hamulka yesterday, but Ellsworth was just 2-7 and seven last year, but they had four losses by one possession. Four losses by one possession. So that's that's a lot of swing right there. They could have been a team that had a winning record and, and made a push towards the playoffs. But they ended the season with a 42 to nothing win over Syracuse, trying to build some momentum. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. They return basically all of their big-time contributors from a year ago. So they're going to be no easy out for Beloit. But Coach Brad Gober and the Trojans are certainly looking to Continue off of what has been a really good run for the Trojans. They lost in the state championship game to Rossville a season ago after going 9-4. and four. They got red hot down the stretch. Won games over Lakin, Cimarron, Hillsboro, and Kingman on their route to finishing as the 
to a runner-up a season ago. But Beloit, high expectations for them as well in 2A. But they get Ellsworth tonight on the road. And then they host Southeast of Saline next week. So another really good game to uh, keep your eye on in the area. Uh, as we kind of run through the games to watch here for Week 1, eight-man scores to, to look at. We've got uh, a couple of, of local teams as the Solomon Gorillas will be at Rural Vista. So you want to keep an eye on that that uh, score as Coach Mike Kilgore and the Gorillas look to take another step forward this season. Solomon, a year ago, again, right on the cusp of some really good things. Five and four on the year. They just had a really tough district, losing uh, to Canton Galva. They lost to Bennington. They lost to Little River and Clifton Clyde. That's kind of a murderer's row of good football teams. But uh, this year... More high expectations for them to try and push things forward as they continue to grow. Little River will be at Canton Galva. That's going to be another really good game in eight-man. Those two teams are uh, really towards the top of eight-man football. Little River, the number one ranked team in preseason for eight-man Division One, And uh, Canton Galva is up there as well for eight-man Division Two. They're number two in eight-man Division Two two football coming into this season. Lincoln is going to be at Sylvan Lucas, so you keep an eye on that one as well. And I'm seeing if I'm missing anything. Clifton Clyde at Hanover, that'll be another good game to watch. Clifton Clyde, one of the um, better teams in eight-man one. They're number four preseason as well. So keep an eye on that. But that's just kind of a crash course in the big high school games Coming up tonight, week one of high school football. I'm super pumped up. I know you are too out there listening. We'll have plenty more insight on high school game day coming up here at 6 o'clock as we take you into the pregame of all of our kickoff coverage. Again, high school game day from 6 to 6.45. And then the pregame to the Mayor's Cup here on 1150 KSAL at 6.45. Kickoff at 7 for South versus Central. But uh, stick with us. we got plenty more football coming up. This time we'll flip it over to the college side of things and hear some K-State and KU audio when we return here on 1150 KSAL. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I am Jackson Schneider. Coming to you live from the Next Tech Wireless Studio. Lowest rates, flexible plans, and exceptional customer service and coverage everywhere you are. Say goodbye to being just a number and say hello to something different at Next Tech Wireless. Friday sponsor of them on the show. They also sponsor a bunch of our high school uh, coverage as well. So shout out Next Tech Wireless on this big football Friday. And um, we already talked a lot about high school football in our first segment, but we're going to switch to college here and now because Kansas kicks off tonight. Their pregame show will start on Y93.7, coming up here in just a little bit, actually. 5.30 p.m. pregame start. Uh, Kickoff is at 7 from David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium as the Jayhawks will take on Tennessee Tech. And yesterday on the show, we met with Brian Haney and... Brian, as always, is a wealth of information as it relates to the Jayhawks. But 
he was a lot more bullish on this Kansas team than even I expected. Like, I, I feel pretty dang good about the Jayhawks this year and, and the progress that they're going to make. And I've said this a million times. I'm not going to tell you the Jayhawks are going to win eight games, but I do think four and maybe five wins is certainly in the cards because they bring back more starters than anyone else in the Big 12, and they brought in, like, a top 25 transfer portal class with 15 dudes in it, and they just keep getting deeper and better. They've got more athletes. They've got more big guys. And that depth and and talent is going to pay dividends this year. I really do believe that. And we're going to get just our first glimpse of that tonight when they take on Tennessee Tech. And, um, you know, we we know what we're getting quarterback-wise. It's Jalen Daniels who's going to get the start. Jason Bean, though, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw him as well. Uh, especially if Kansas starts to put this game away. But KU feels like they've got two very capable quarterbacks, but they're just going to lean on Jalen Daniels based on where he took Kansas at the end of last season. Now, one thing is the offensive line has definitely gotten a lot better, and it's gotten deeper as well over the last couple of weeks with the transfer portal additions that Kansas has brought in. They even brought one in literally just a couple of days ago. He's not going to be ready to go just yet, but he is eligible and ready to roll uh, once he gets the playbook figured out and everything. Uh, give him a couple of weeks. He'll be good to go. His name actually escapes me, but he'll be asked about in uh, some of the audio you're going to hear in just a minute from Kansas offensive coordinator Anthony Kotelnicki. And uh, I do want to apologize real quick because this, this um, was a rare – oversight, I guess, by the KU Athletics Communications staff. I appreciate get, getting audio from them, as we often do, uh, but you're not going to hear any of the questions asked. They didn't have microphones, and the only thing that gets recorded is Anthony Kotelnicki's voice, so I apologize on not really having some of the context to the answers that he's got here, uh, but some really good, insightful information on the Kansas Jayhawks, and especially that Jayhawk offensive line unit that has drawn so much attention over the last couple of weeks. So here is Kansas offensive coordinator, Anthony Kotelnicki. Good. I am, you know, well, heck, last time I was here, it was after the first or second day of practice, right? Um, you know, we have improved significantly since then. And I'm real happy, you know, we go into fall camp with objectives and going into, you know, a couple of days left of practice and preparation before we play our first game, I feel, you know, we've, we've accomplished those things. And, um, there's synergy, you know what I mean? There's cohesiveness that's occurring. You can see the guys are playing together. They're getting comfortable. Uh, guys are, you know, really comfortable communicating with one another in all positions. You know, it's not exclusive to one or the other. And, and then that's exciting. I guess as an offensive coordinator, when you get to the point where you have other guys communicating, talking about the game plan and plays and strategies and techniques, you know that you're trending in the right direction. So I'm comfortable. I'm happy, you know. I'm pleased. Comfortable? I don't know if I'll ever say yes, I'm comfortable, but I'm pleased. Athletic guy, strong, has some natural blocking ability. You know what I mean? However you want to define that. But that, you know, I mean, this is a very natural blocking ability. Excited about his progress, you know, as we go. As you know, obviously that's a position that we're always looking to generate depth and want depth. Um, for us to be able to acquire him at this point is awesome. You know, it's going to help us. And we want competition in every room. And uh, you've heard me say before, um, you know, programs go as their line, lines go, right? Teams that have great offensive lines and defensive lines are usually great teams. So, um, and that's what we're striving to be. Is there any way you can learn <laughs> Well, you know, it's a challenge, right? You know what I mean? But, you know, realistically, it's, it's, it's tough, right, how much he, he could or would play, you know. But 
Um, like we said seven days ago, that's that's a pretty quick turnaround, right? Whatever we're in. Well, I, I guess I've seen it before. You know what I mean? Like all coaches, are, I'm a film junkie, and we watch. You know, the people that are successful and have you know do good things, and um, there are similarities to that, of course. Um, you know, with terminology and stuff like that, we've never shared that. You know, we, you know, and I know Coach Fuchs, and, and to the credit to all the other offensive linemen, Mike Nowitzki, um, you know, specifically grabbing him and kind of talking about terms and what we call these combos and what's this play called versus that play. And, you know, in, in his mind, he's, you know, disassociating with whatever it was before to what it's now. So there's always, you know, to your point, the, you know, how long does it take to get ready? Well, when you have to unlearn something that you've been taught and kind of, you know, it's like learning a new language. And it takes a little time. So once he gets that figured out, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be humming. Well, we're looking for the things that you would want, probably the characteristics of any offensive line, right? Know what they're doing. Physical, nasty, right? And athletic. And uh, I think if you asked any program across the country those are the words that you would hear about when we talk about offensive line play but as we have grown in that position we've created competition you have to get that group to play together as a unit right okay it's the most important position group in football the most important position is the quarterback as we all know right and that's you know they make the big bucks but the group the most important group is that offensive line and so as we go and you start cross-training people to allow us to have the depth that we need at that position, right? Because you don't want to just say, well, hey, we'll put in this player just because he's a left tackle. No, we want to make sure that we have our best five offensive linemen on the field at any given moment um, for those guys to learn to work together and have that competition and cross-train guys and now start to settle in on what that would look like, what those patterns look like. Um, you can see that. That's part of why I'm pleased as, as the offense has evolved through fall camp. I'm very pleased with where they're going. Again, that was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas Jayhawks, Anthony Kotelnicki. Jayhawks open the season tonight on a Friday night. Second straight year the Jayhawks have opened on a Friday, by the way. And according to Brian Haney, prior to that, KU hadn't played on a Friday since like 1947 at home. So that's pretty crazy stuff that they've now done it in back-to-back seasons. But our coverage begins in just a few minutes, actually, on Y93.7. And kickoff will be at 7 o'clock with Brian Haney and David Lawrence on the call. Uh, so make sure to tune in to the Kansas Jayhawks and flip back between that and, and the Mayor's Cup and our other high school football coverage as well. So uh, lots to go, get to tonight in terms of football for your listening pleasure. Now, Kansas State, on the other hand, they will have to wait until tomorrow night. They will kick off at 6 o'clock on 1150 KSAL, so you don't have to touch the radio dial between then and and now either. You can just leave it here on KSAL for 24 hours, basically. Pre-game show will start at 4 o'clock on KSAL as K-State opens the season against the South Dakota Coyotes. But uh, among the many stories that Kansas State has has had to focus around this offseason leading up to this year. Their talented defense, their new transfer quarterback in Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn being one of the best running backs in the Big 12 and maybe even the country, possibly a Heisman, Dark Horse, etc. New offensive coordinator Colin Klein. And um, 
He got the keys to the offense in the bowl game last year against LSU, and things went really well for K-State. They put up 42 points. They pounded LSU in that bowl game. But how does it build into this year? Well, we're going to find out because we're going to hear from Colin Klein here in just a moment. But one thing I want to mo- to mention is he is not only juggling being the offensive coordinator for the first true time tomorrow, he's also juggling being put into the K-State football ring of honor. Uh, so really cool achievement for a young guy. He's going to go in with several other K-Staters, including Tyler Lockett um, among them. But uh, he's going to get honored before the game, and then he's going to put the headset on and try and coach K-State to their first win of the season, which they should, with ease, get, because I do think that South Dakota, well, a, a pretty decent FCS team, I just don't think they have the horses to keep up with Kansas State. Now, a couple of years ago, when these two teams faced off, South Dakota had K-State on the ropes, but K-State got a big kick return for a touchdown that ended up winning them the game. I don't think it's going to be that close this year. I actually expect K-State to win and, and win very comfortably, but to hear what uh, Colin Klein has to say on the matter and everything leading up. It's just a snippet from his presser yesterday, but uh, good stuff from him as we get ready for K-State football. Here is offensive coordinator Colin Klein. DJ kind of able to separate himself out of the other running backs there. Uh, You know, you could tell he really uh, studied his butt off over the summer, Um, came back and and, – Really picked up right in fall camp and, and uh, was really up to speed on his pass pro, um, his splits pickup stuff, um, his assignment sound, you know, uh, knowing what he was supposed to do. And, and that allowed him to play faster, you know, and we knew he had it in him as an athlete. But uh, then being able to show that on the field with his knowledge was, uh, was evident. And he, he really uh, did a nice job. Probably get like multiple weeks to prepare for your first game. Is it kind of like preparing for the bowl game when you got a couple weeks to kind of go at it? Yeah, a little bit. You know, you, you got to just make sure that more time doesn't mean you, you know, you, you do too much, right? You know, you got to stay to the plan, keep it simple. And, uh, but it has been similar to, you know, to that extent and been proud of our guys how they've not let it get monotonous, even though there's been a lot of rep- repetition through it. And, and they've been uh, staying sharp and, and attacking it each day. Colin, is there a line between maybe not wanting to show too much or show too little it, it, the first game out of the season? You know, I, uh, yes. You know, there's there's certain things, but it kind of – some of that takes care of itself a little bit just based on who you're playing and, and what you need to bring to the table and uh, in certain packages that week. Some of that will take care of itself and, and something we got to stay on top of of our own self-scout tendencies as we move through the season. But – uh, you know, the bottom line is, is we need to play clean, we need to play well, we need to, uh, you know, be fundamentally sound in all aspects because it doesn't matter what scheme we try to run or not run. If, if we can't do that, we don't, it's going to be difficult. How's that center position shaping up, the combo blocks and all the intricacies involved with that? You know, it's, it's been really good. Uh, you know, Hayden and Hadley have, have both done a great job. You know, I think both of them will see some time there and, and, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have two guys that, that are experienced that, that, you know, that have played and, and are both doing a great job there. And, uh, you know, there will be, uh, you know, a handful of guys that play there up front and uh, it'll be good to get continue to grow those guys, evaluate them and, and find that right match. Is Hadley looking at walking in on one side of the other <clears throat> guard? Uh, he, he will play a little bit of guard. You know, it's it'll kind of be a. Uh, you know, second, third possession of the game type situation and how Coach Riley will, you know, finagle that based on how things are going. Injury-wise, anything pop up this week since Death Chart came out on Monday? 
Uh, no, I think I think we were in good shape. When it comes to the pace, do you kind of prepare how fast or you know monotonous you want to run your offense, or is it kind of a game flow? A little bit of a game flow, you know. It's uh, it'll be akin back to a large part in execution, uh, <clears throat> you know. And, and we're only going to be able to go as fast as as we're able to execute and operate, you know. And, and making sure that we're staying sharp and and getting ourselves in in, in certain positions. And uh, you know, this is going to be a great first challenge for us. I mean, they they do a lot of great things. They're very very well coached, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's important that we play well and clean and how that goes will, will be a little bit week to week series by series Colin, you got two other your former teammates coming back for the ring of honor this weekend i was wondering if you could tell us your favorite memories about tyler and arthur hmm. man uh I'll tell you what two two special special teammates there there's no doubt about it you know i think uh um you know starting with arthur i think it's just he he's he was just such a steady uh you know presence you know not just on the field, obviously with his play, but just from a leadership standpoint, you know, he never said too much, but everything he did say, everybody listened because it, you know, it, it was it was from his heart and and uh, you know, so competitive, worked so hard. I mean, you know, we we'd practice our butts off, and he'd go in the weight room and get some extra shoulder work or this and that, and, and it's like holy cow! I mean, the dude's a machine, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's uh, just incredible, Tyler. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, there's so many because we worked a little bit more hand in hand on offense. Uh, you know, I think the Oklahoma State game comes to my mind. His true freshman year, you know, he gets hurt on that touchdown catch early in the game, ends up getting pretty seriously hurt, and still returns the, you know, uh, kickoff return there in the second half that kept us in the game. And and uh, again, just so raw, genuine. Uh, unbelievable leader, unbelievable talent, and an uh, unbelievable teammate. What are the emotions going to be like for you on Saturday when you finally see your name up there? Have you had a chance to think about that at all? Not really. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm sure there will be a minute to to be able to step back and, and reminisce a little bit. Uh, again, it's it's about this week for me is about our guys and making sure that that we're in as as good a position as we can be, as prepared as we can be. Uh, to let them go out there and, and uh, play the best clean game they possibly can and get after it. Again, that was Kansas State Offensive Coordinator Colin Klein. Wildcats open the season tomorrow night, pregame at 4 o'clock, kickoff at 6, coverage right here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we will send you into the weekend with a couple of headlines to keep your eye on and then get you ready for high school football game day. That's coming up next here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. segment of In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial. I am Jackson Schneider and uh, as we head into the weekend I got a couple of different uh, headlines for you. First off I want to start with this because if you listen to this show you know I like tennis. You know I'm a big fan 
of of tennis, and especially right now, it's the U.S. Open, which is underway. And last night, I was watching perhaps the greatest tennis player of all time. He's for my for my money, uh, he's my goat, so to speak. Rafael Nadal was playing against Fabio Fonini, and he was he lost the first set six two, but then he won the the second and third sets six four and six two. But in the fourth set, he was literally like. Three games from winning the the match against Fonini, Nadal was, but he cut himself on the bridge of his nose with his own racket. It, it, he hit a ball and it ricocheted off of uh, of the court on a follow through, and it, it and it smacked him in the face, and he was bloodied and dizzy, and, and he had to be like taped and glued up and fight through being a bloody tennis player. And I think it's actually really hilarious. There's videos of it out there for sure, but I mean, tennis is a non-contact sport. We know that. I mean, players get hurt, sure, but it's probably not very often you see an injury of that nature in the sport of tennis. So uh, get a get a load of that video. It's all on ESPN. But Nadal has hey, obviously he he won the match. He fought through it, and he moves on to the next round of the U.S. Open, looking for I believe his twenty fifth or no twenty. It'll be his twenty. Third Grand Slam title if he wins the U.S. Open. He has won four of them at the U.S. Open previously. Uh, but uh, keep your eye there on Rafael Nadal. In the NBA, there was a trade that happened yesterday. And the the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers had been aggressively pursuing three-time All-Star Donovan Mitchell uh, from the Utah Jazz, and, and it appears that they have reached an agreement. And, and according to sources, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from ESPN says that the Cavs are sending Laurie Markkinen, a forward, as well as rookie wing Ochai Abaji and guard Colin Sexton, uh, which are plus three unprotected first-round picks, 2025, 2027, and 2029, and two pick swaps in 2026 and 28 for Donovan Mitchell. That is a lot to give up for Cleveland right now to get Donovan Mitchell, although uh, Donovan Mitchell is one of the better players in the NBA right now uh, for for potential but I mean the Cavs have all this young talent and and have a lot of potential so they're making their move they're getting their guy right now and they think they have a chance to win the the central division now after adding Donovan Mitchell so really exciting stuff he gets to team up with one of the more exciting young point guards in the NBA and Darius Garland Uh, so a big trade for Cleveland Cavaliers fans but again Ochai Abaji part of that trade the Kansas Jayhawk and, and the Big 12 player of the year national champion now on his way to the Utah Jazz where he will team up with former Kansas Jayhawk Och, uh, excuse me, Yudoka Azabuki. So Ochai and Yudoka teaming back up again uh, out in Utah. So pretty exciting stuff in that NBA trade. And then uh, just to wrap up the show, another college football headline for you. But week one obviously kicks off um, as the big games of the weekend that are really kind of getting a lot of the attention. Notre Dame is on the road at Ohio State, that's probably one of the bigger games that you will you will see on on Saturday. Number twenty three, uh, Cincinnati is at number nineteen, Arkansas. That's a really big game for for Week One. I mean, Cincinnati was in the playoff last year, and Arkansas thinks they've got a chance to be a dark horse SEC title winner. So big game there. Uh, number seven, Utah is at Florida. That's going to be a huge game to to keep your eye on as well. A lot of people really high on the Utes this year, not so high on Florida. But hey, 
winning in the swamp is certainly no easy task. And then uh, on Monday night, on Labor Day, we will not have a show, but I will be at home watching number four Clemson and Georgia Tech. That game will kick off at 7 o'clock on Monday night. So that's just a little taste, a little bit, little bit of stuff for your college football weekend. Week one, tons of stuff. Again, we've got football on our radio station practically all night tonight and all day tomorrow. Coming up tonight, again, as soon as we're done here, 6 o'clock, high school game day, Michael St. John will have some whip-arounds and some stories from each of the games in our area. Then at 6.45 here on KSAL, we've got pregame for the Mayor's Cup, kickoff at 7 between Salina South and Salina Central. Uh, We've also got tomorrow morning from 8 to 9 a.m., our first high school coaches corner, uh, live from Burger Theory here in Salina. We'll have all the local high school football coaches come recap their games from tonight. That's tomorrow morning. Then, of course, K-State on KSAO with pregame at 4 o'clock and kickoff at 6 as they take on South Dakota. And again, on Y93.7 tonight, Uh, Already in pregame, but Kansas kicking off their season tonight at 7 o'clock as they take on Tennessee Tech. So that's just a little taste of everything we've got going on this weekend. But I am Jackson Schneider. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you missed anything, be sure to check out our Spotify page. Uh, We had a a loaded show yesterday with John Betts, Josh Homolka, Brian Haney. You name it, it's on our Spotify page. So be sure to search In The Zone on KSAL on Spotify. I'm Jackson Schneider, and this is In The Zone on 1150 KSAL.